Breaking news. <laughs> the aliens are here, people. It's time. Aliens. The rapture is upon us. Now, when you're saying aliens, do you mean like people from Mexico? No. <laughs> I mean extraterrestrials. Oh. Because you remember that Spin City episode? The Spin City episode. We'll get into it later. That's tied to this, I think. It's Very funny. underrated show, Spin City. Absolutely. But we are also joined on the line once again by Adam Dupuis. Hello. Uh, you might remember he was the former Salesian, talked about leaving and getting hitched, and uh, he might have to peace out real quick and come back because he is on baby duty. Mm. And apparently they Those are the fun things of parenthood, but she's been sleeping through the night for quite a quite a while now, but we got the baby monitor in front of me just in case something right. happens. Right on, right on. Well... Again, uh, Adam reached out to us. We're doing a joint podcast. Um, ours, if you're listening to this, obviously, you know, we're Cracks in the Cloisters. Adam, why don't you give a quick rundown about yours? Sure. My uh, podcast is called The New Balances Podcast, a uh, fun little play on uh, New Balance sneakers, you know, the things that are mandated that you wear when you become a father, those nice, uh, sleek, white New Balances before they get grass stains on them. Um premise of it basically is essentially anytime you have a change in life, you have to learn to adapt and overcome and sort of assimilate to the new surroundings that you find yourself in. So whether it be leaving a uh, religious life and entering into the dating world or leaving the dating world and entering into married life and then further marching on down the road from married life to uh, parenthood and all of the fun uh, adventures that that entails. So, now, Adam, when you, say, uh, when you say new balances, are we talking Velcro or shoelaces? Oh. Uh, shoelaces for now. <laughs> you know, oh. I'm sure maybe in about 40 years we'll go Velcro. <laughs> I remember back uh, in like middle school, uh, getting out of elementary school into middle school time frame, I was all about Velcro because I thought, this is so much easier. I don't have to worry about it. It's just so quick and practical. Yep. Um, but then, you know, you're mercilessly mocked. So, uh, you know, kind of had an impact on me. So I avoid Velcro right now, but uh, not saying no in the future. Dude, I'm going to say something. I say this out of love. You know, I say this out of love, right? Like I can tie my shoes. Now, <laughs> I was, I, well, I, that's where I was going to go with it, man. Like as a former very large man, you know, I, I clocked in at 320 at my biggest. I, I remember when I was up in Boston, we went to Constitution. I, I was wearing size 54 pants, and they were snug. Mm -hmm. Velcro is quick and easy, man. You got less time down there, less time where you're holding your breath trying to get those shoelaces tied. Just saying. Yeah. Thankfully, I am a flexible fat person uh, <laughs> and can manipulate myself to tie my shoes and still breathe at the same time. Oh, that's impressive. Now, yeah, uh, you know. I don't want us to begin to normalize this idea where you just say, you know, I'm about to say this out of love, right? And then you say, like, something <laughs> cutting. <laughs> but but isn't that what love is? Like, isn't love the guy? Well, I think we talked about this before. To me, love is the guy I can punch in the teeth. He's going to punch me back. 
But then we're going to get beer afterwards. He's going to be like, all right, you done? Yeah, yeah. You better now? Almost. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go get a beer. Mm. Again, like. We all come back to, you know, because we all know Father Demetrius, long time. Not the best driver in the world. There's things that he is really good at. And then there are things that he's not really good at. You know, being uh, a lovable person, sometimes yes, sometimes no. And uh, jokes, same sort of thing. But he is a very smart individual. It's just his choice and application of that smartness from time to time gets called into question. He, yes, he is kind of, uh, I describe him as a Swiss army knife of a human. He's kind of good at a lot of things, like random things like sewing and like car stuff. A sewing machine set up right here? And jujitsu and tech. He has kind of a jack-of-all-trades kind of thing going. Yeah, but driving is definitely not one of my skill sets. I mean, <laughs> it's not like I wrecked two cars this year. Oh, man. This year? This year. Yeah, yeah. It got Were they me. both your fault? No, the one according to the police report was nothing I could have done. I hit black eyes. State trooper literally put there was nothing I could have done. It was unexpected black eyes. But I did total a hybrid. So, like totaled, like gone. That, that, gone. Was, just a, that was just a protest against like environmentalists. Like, you're like hybrid, screw this, no. Well, I was in coal country. I mean. <laughs> I can't be caught in this thing <laughs> around here. <laughs> but all jokes aside, um... What sort of emphasized this today or this meeting of the minds was uh, Adam thought it would be good to talk about, and I have the clip queued up here, those who didn't pay attention, those who haven't heard yet, there was some interesting testimony in Congress this past week. Um, I don't know if it was the Senate or the House. Do you guys remember if it was the Senate or the House? It was in the House. It was in the House. Okay. Nancy Mace. Yes, Nancy Mace. And here is Nancy Mace asking, it was a sort of a whistleblower conversation slash, you know, wait a minute, the government spent how much money on UFO investigations in the past 10 years uh, conversation? And this is the crazy clip. So um, just so you know, this was a public hearing. So there'll be some references to things where basically they're saying, you know, like, hey, I can't tell you that now, but you as a congresswoman have top secret clearance. I can tell it to you in private. We can talk later. But so set up the clip, uh, investigation to UFOs, and well, let's hear what has shocked sort of the nation. Do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness? Like, how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. So skiff is a private setting. So, a little crazy, right? But also, not as much information as people think, I think. Like, if we break that down, if we rip that apart, there's actually... A lot said, but also a lot not said. 
I don't know if you guys have picked up on that. Well, yeah. the mm-hmm. whole idea of something being called non-human biologics. A rock hitting a bird or Randy Johnson's baseball hitting a bird makes it non-human biologics on the bird. Exactly. You know, like like I said to somebody else, you know, this doesn't mean... Because let's not lie, in the jiu-jitsu world, there's a lot of flat earthers, there's a lot of alien conspiracy people, there's a lot of conspiracy people, mm-hmm. which is why I ain't gonna lie, it's been a rough two years because a lot of those conspiracies, like, well, COVID came from a lab, oh, the vaccine doesn't do anything, and then, like, data sheets come out, and you're like, why do you have to get a win? Mm-hmm. But, like I was telling some of those guys, saying non-human biologics, I mean, it it could have been the Russians shooting a dog in his face again. We don't know. But it does phrase the question. You know, I mean, eh, if they were extraterrestrial, if they were not of this world, then we are left with the important question. Okay, maybe we just need to forget about the Gilgamesh for a second and focus... Forget about the Gilgamesh! I'm just saying, what works on planet Galgamech isn't necessarily going to work for the rest of us here on Earth. You know, how do we deal with the Galgamech Catholics? It's the question of our time. Isn't it? (laughs) It is, but also, what is, uh, I'm going to come from the standpoint of people who might be listening who have no idea what that clip is from. Oh. What is it? Okay, so. those people exist. (laughs) that is true there's a very large number of people that aren't going to recognize that clip that is from one of the very early seasons of south park that is from like 2003 and in that episode uh the priest is dealing with uh basically an ecumenical council with those who don't know what an ecumenical council is when all the bishops get together to discuss important issues of theology and one of the representations there were the Galgamech Catholics, which were the Catholics from outer space. And they had some objections to one of the ideas being proposed. And because this, this, these people existed? No. Oh. <laughs> no, it's South Park. It's South Park being South Park. But it does pose the question of if there are... Because here's the thing, actually, you guys might not know, but I did some digging. The church has wrestled with the question, if intelligent extraterrestrial life is found... What does that mean for the incarnation? What does that mean for salvation? Because as a religion, we don't believe that all dogs go to heaven. We don't believe that like little Fido gets to see the divine experience of God. We don't believe that any dogs go to heaven. Well, it's it's debated. I mean, we can't say dogmatically. You know, Bonaventure argued they do. Um, Aquinas argued they don't, and they both right. We can't. We can't dogmatically say that they do or don't, but you said some phytos over other phytos, so right. you need to clean up what you're saying to a certain extent. Are you Bonaventure or are you Francis? What's going on? And I mean Francis of Assisi, not <laughs> Pope Francis. Ooh. Um, I am I am more of the Aquinas idea. Because I can't see how, if we describe heaven as the beatific vision and knowing God completely, at least as completely as we are capable in our in our human soul, I can't see how a non-rational being that relies on instinct, like a dog, can benefit from heaven. 
I don't see how it can appreciate the beatific vision. There is a heaven for dogs. It's just not the one we think of. It's one where like every five minutes the doorbell rings and then someone throws a tennis ball and then there's food there. That's heaven for dogs. Dude, I would love to have a human appreciate me as much as a dog does. When he doesn't see you for a while and like you come home, it's like, hey! Yeah, every time. It's yeah, a lot every, of fun. Every time. My brother's dog doesn't do that, though. At least not to me. It does that to my brother, but not to me. It 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 is a bashful animal. No, but but there, the church has actually wrestled, at least from a theological point of view, not from a dogmatic point of view, but from a theological point of view on... If extraterrestrials are found, could they be baptized? Could salvation happen? Could they be made part of the church, the body of Christ? Can they make it to heaven? And again, there's debate on that, just like with dogs, but it's interesting to see some of the arguments. Mm. Uh, Do you look into any of that, Adam? I did. I was reading an article from uh, the Crux in 2017 that uh, Pope Francis essentially said in 2014 that, and I quote, if an expedition of Martians arrives and some of them come to us, and if one of them says, me, I want to be baptized, what would happen? The Pope said, uh, baptized. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at an article from uh, the University of Notre Dame, and basically they were looking at that too. Basically, they were going back to sort of the Aquinas model, which draws from, and I'm blanking on his name. We actually had a member for a test, actually, for Fortin, Adam, and I can't remember. It's the Greek dude that, like, categorized all types of living organisms. Remember that dude? Is it Philo? I do not remember that guy. Philoletic tree or something like that. Basically, the Notre Dame article was based around the idea of running with Aquinas and saying that what differentiates man from animal, so what makes us made in the image and likeness of God, is our rationality. So, like, again, I think it was Philo. I could be wrong here. It was an ancient Greek philosopher. He said, you know, you have animate and inanimate. You have plant and animal. And then under animal, you have beast, which relies on instinct, and then you have man, which is the rational animal. And Aquinas ran with that. And this argument from Notre Dame was basically applying that. Like, look, if if these creatures have rationality, if they can distinguish right from wrong, if they can reason through problems and not rely on instinct, then they can be saved by the incarnation. Basically saying that, you know, the incarnation... It's not so much that God became human at that point, but it's that God became creature. Mm. The the incarnation, entering into the created world of the rational creature. Mm. See, that makes more sense because I was trying to understand it from the standpoint of if God did incarnate himself here on earth and God became man, what does the incarnation look like in a potential uh, ET environment or ET world? Is there a second, third, fourth, upteenth number of incarnations throughout uh, the the entire universe? Or um, you know, is the World Council of um, 
intergalactic Catholics <laughs> celebrating the same sort of mass or having the same sort of belief system, does that uh, incarnational element look like? Um, what what does it look like for them? We're starting to give away the plot of the next Star Wars movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert. <laughs> well, I do think that is, you know, part of the heart of the question, isn't it? Is where and why and then how does incarnation and the sacraments and all that work? You know, because clearly, like, you know, if they've been living in the Andromeda galaxy or something like that, invincible ignorance would clearly come in because there's no way they could have known of the incarnation. Unless God did, like, you know, let's, let's not lie. Unless the Mormons are right and God, after the <laughs> resurrection, decided to, you know, magically poof from place to place. Um, which, you know, Will can't, you know, that can't be true, because then Brother Will's going to have to, you know, apologize to his uncle. <laughs> but I think it's definitely an interesting question from a theological point of view. But also, you know, from a practical point of view, because... Whatever creatures, you know, if they ever did find intelligent life, I do think, you know, we got to... I'm sorry, that would scare the bejesus out of me. If they've actually found intelligent life? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, If they have found a species that's capable of interstellar travel, faster than light travel, FLT travel, that would scare the bejesus out of me. I mean, for multiple reasons. One, because that's a technological leap we are nowhere near. And, I mean, just look at the technological leap that, you know, look at World War II, you know. I was looking at a thing, um, actually, it was a documentary on uh, uh, Dr. Joe Medicine Crow. He's the last war chief of the Crow people. Um, To become a war chief in the Crow people, to become a leader by right, you have to first lead a successful mission into enemy territory without losing a single man or having a single man be injured. And he did that when he crossed the... um, the line of the Germany to blow up a machine gun bunker. You have to count coup, which means you have to, for the crow, it's not simply as like the Sioux, you could just touch an enemy and run away. For the crow, you have to subdue him. You have to get him to yield. And you have to actually, actually also, the third thing is capture his weapon or a weapon of an enemy without killing him. And then the fourth, steal a horse. And this is where it becomes important, the tech issue. You know, you're like, oh, World War II, the era of tanks and planes and, you know, V-2 rockets and the atomic bomb. Where are you going to find a horse, right? Well, here's the thing. That's actually how the German army, the German high command, knew they had lost the war. If you look at internal reports, it was because the American army at D-Day, we showed up with enough mechanized troops, enough jeeps, enough tanks, enough things for our people to drive places. We had refined enough oil. We had produced enough engines. We could do it. Something like, I think the stats said something like a third of the German army, like mm-hmm. officer corps, were using horses. Mm. Now, think of that tech difference there. You know, that jump. Now, if we're dealing with something that's actually able to like warp space and time or something, and, you know, warp travel or wormhole travel or do whatever, slipstream, whatever, you know, pick your, pick your uh, sci-fi of choice to get faster than light and come here. What do you think they're going to do if they turn that to war? Mm. And the other thing is, you know, um, what's his name? 
Mikakaru, the Korean astrophysicist. Michio Kaku. Michio Kaku. Michio Kaku pointed out something very good. I'm going to play another clip here. Um, but Michio Kaku pointed something out, basically looking at if there was a species capable of this, this is probably what would happen. This is probably factors they would have to be from, descended from. Basically, three things made us intelligent. One is our eyesight, stereo eyesight. We have the eyes of a hunter, stereo vision so we lock in on targets. And uh, who is smarter, predator or prey? Predators are smarter than prey. Why is that? Hunters have to zero in on the target. They have to know how to ambush. They have to know how to hide, camouflage, sneak up, stealth, deceit. That takes a lot of intelligence. Second, is the thumb. The opposable thumb of some sort could be a claw or tentacle. So hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye coordination is the way we manipulate the environment. And then three, language. So these are the three basic ingredients of intelligence. So when we meet aliens from outer space, chances are they will have been descended from predators of some sort. They'll have some way to manipulate the environment and communicate their knowledge to the next generation. So do you really want to come across a faster-than-light-capable predator species? Mm. I feel like, you know, there's obviously going to be bad eggs in every batch. Hell, we have them here on Earth with people like Pol Pot, Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, any number of bad humans that we could list off of. True. But maybe extraterrestrials aren't of that warring sort of class or species the way that humans are. Maybe there's peace um, among them. Or maybe their technology is so far advanced that uh, going from universe to universe or galaxy to galaxy is uh, to suck up resources is not something that they need. Uh, if they're flying potentially through time and space or warping from one place to another, you know, maybe, maybe there's not a violent streak to them. And the only reason I say that is, uh, I was listening to a podcast, a uh, guy by the name of Sean Ryan, the Sean Ryan show. Have you guys heard about that? Mm, yeah. Not me, man. Yeah, no. Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll send a link to you because probably will have to have, some sort of a follow-up to this. But uh, he talked to a guy by the name of Dr. Uh, Stephen Greer, who is the uh, director. Uh, he's a retired ER doctor. And a uh, physician turned in his life to a research of UFO and UAP phenomena. Um, yeah. And in that episode that he talked to, it's episode number 48, uh, he said that aliens became interested in Earth with the detonation of the first nuclear weapon because yeah. uh, atomic bombs somehow have an effect in the ripple of space and time. I mean, that makes sense. And Stephen Greer, actually, I know that name because he actually in the 90s, the mid-90s, actually said that he worked at um, Area 51, you know, Dreamland. And uh, he said, actually, the alien spacecrafts they had there used element with atomic number 115 because it was stable as the fuel supply. At the time he said that, on the periodic table, we didn't have an element 115. But guess what was found by joint scientists 
American and Russian, I believe in 2003. Element 115. Element 115. <laughs> a stable, very high, powerful, potent, that could potentially be used for a massive power supply. Mm. Hard to create, but once it's there, it's stable. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, why, why the crazy... It, it's like when the Mormons point out, like in the Book of Mormon, that at Jericho in the Bronze Age, there's descriptions of iron swords, and that one dude finds an iron sword in Jericho that dates back to the Bronze Age, and the Mormon's like, ha, see? <laughs> Like, oh, why did it have to exist? Mm. But I mean, and there's, there's, I think there's hope for that. Cause actually, I, I actually, this summer, I, I was talking to Will about this earlier. One of the books I've read, well, you know, I don't really read, I've listened to the audiobook like six times at this point. Like, they are getting a lot of my YouTube premium money. I ain't gonna lie. Cause it's like a six hour audiobook, and I've just, just play it, play it, play it, play it. Is uh, an audiobook that initially started as a Reddit story called, why humans avoid war and it's set in sort of a future time where basically there's a star trek federation and humans have joined it and they're considered the least violent of all the species in the federation they're ranked two out of 16 on aggression and 16 that seems kind of arbitrary yes 16 is the is the is the high 100 is kind of arbitrary too why is 100 (laughs) the feeling True. That's true. We're just so used to it. Right. Yeah. But um but there's a line where so basically the humans show up to there's an enemy a big bad that comes in called the devourers. At least that's what they call them. They call them the devourers. And um the three most violent species according to the aggression index, the 14, the 15s go to war with them and they're getting just destroyed. Thousands of ships just getting destroyed. And the humans show up with a with a fleet of five. And they're like, you know, thank you for showing up. You know, we didn't expect much. Thank you. Um, help cover our retreat. And the humans are like, what, what, what do you mean retreat? We're here to jack them up. And the head of the Federation's armada is like, with five ships? Come on, man. And then they proceed to just decimate, just decimate the entire Devourer fleet. Just like, just like, straight up crazy and then it leads to a, a hearing in their senate and they're describing it and they'll get to the point the line that comes up is the speaker of their senate basically says it's weird because a species this violent a species that had millions of deaths among their own world in wars a species that can come up with weapons that can destroy fleets of invading enemy should have destroyed themselves long ago mm. And I do think that is a factor. Because, like, if you think about, like, the tech advance that would require yourself to get faster than light. I mean, if you didn't get past this petty, we kill you over some petty land issue thing. If you didn't truly get to a, we're going to care for our species, we're going to care for our world, we're going to do what needs done. You're probably going to destroy yourselves. I mean, think about how many times we've come close. You know, I mean, heck, you know, we, you know, when we were flying hydrogen bombs around because we're afraid the Russians could have first strike capability, we almost nuked North Carolina with two separate bombs. You know, we dropped bombs over Greenland accidentally. We dropped bombs over Spain. I think one of those is still missing over North Carolina somewhere, too. Not missing. They know where it is. It's just unrecoverable, according to the government. (laughs) 
Yeah. How's that make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely one of these, I think, interesting scenarios where if we develop the power, the potential to do interstellar, interstellar travel, either one of two things is going to happen. We're going to have to go full-on Klingon and just conquer everything that comes into place. Or we're going to have to be like the Vulcans and be like, got well above our violent history. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm digging deep into my uh, sci-fi lore here. I'm, we're talking about aliens. What do you want? Well, are we going to talk about aliens in the Catholic perspective, or are we going to talk about your sci-fi lore fascination? I mean, either works. We got a, we got a half hour. Adam, what's what's your take on the whole thing? I think that if we are to look at what aliens are and if they do show up here and they are rational beings and they have a corporal form and they're not just sort of like this, an intelligence, like an AI type of thing, then I think it's a valid question in commentary that would have to happen on whether or not we are able to share our faith because we believe that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. These people or these beings are coming from the heavens. So there is a shared, um, in some fashion, corporal experience. Might not be the same corporal that we have, but there has to be, uh, they have their own reality and their own being and essence and the, that whatness of makes them what they are or who they are. So if they're coming here and they ask and ask for baptism or ask to share in that uh, life, or maybe they are baptized already and we have no idea what that looks like. I think I'm not as afraid as Father Demetrius uh, says he is because I don't necessarily think that it's going to be um, a warring type of event. I think it's going to be more of a um, a curiosity type of event. I don't think that they're going to come here with the uh, looking to blow us up or suck out our brains of any kind. Mm. So you apply it. You you subscribe to the Joe Rogan philosophy. <laughs> Do you know the Joe Rogan response to his idea about aliens? I probably he wants to smoke weed with them or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, basically, his his point. Rogan argues um, that he thinks that aliens see Earth as like Vegas. <laughs> He's like, if you think about it, interesting. Like, if you think about the people that have been, you know, abducted, if you think about the stories, you think about the stuff that, like, the the interactions. He's like, it doesn't sound like you're dealing with scientists. It sounds like you're dealing with frat boys that have decided to take a weekend bender somewhere. Mm. He's like, we're the Vegas of the universe. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what do you want to do this weekend? Well, you know what? Let's let's get wasted and let's go mess with the hairless monkeys. Yeah, <laughs> reminds me of that SNL skit. I think it's called. Strange encounter, first encounter, something 
It was that skit with Ryan Gosling and uh, Cecily Strong and uh, Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon kind of plays a uh, like a middle-aged woman. And then Cecily Strong and Ryan Gosling play more uh, like uh, young hippies. And, but they all got abducted and they're being they're being interviewed You're by popping at them. They're being interviewed by like two NASA people. Mm-hmm. And uh Gosling and Cecily Strong, their experiences were very like, oh, you know, we like we met God and like all this kind of hippie stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Kate's more like realistic. It's like, oh, they, they made me pee in a bucket and watch me do it. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Sorry about the popping. Uh, my uh, thing that I have plugged in to record the podcast uh, was about to die, so I had to go find a plug-in charge for it. Ah. Yeah. I mean, definitely always want to be on battery. Uh, you don't want to be running on battery, my brother. Those, they told uh, me it was supposed to have like a three-hour charge to it, but uh, that was a lie. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Those are... Uh, those um those Z links, yeah, they, they lie. So we're learning, we're learning as we go. Yeah, but but what you're doing is very portable. Like that is a very portable thing, dude. Um, and they are nice in that aspect because you can actually just get a good like um. So to those listening here, we're gonna go a little tech mood right here. I use a Rode Podcaster Pro mixing board. It has a lot of buttons, a lot of fun stuff. That way, I can like if I really need to. Bleep, I could just bleep somebody real quick. Um, Adam's using, uh, I forget the name of it, but it was the other it's one. It's Zoom PodTrack P4. That's it, the Zoom PodTrack P4, which is a lot more compact, but it has a lot of the same features, but it's designed more for running on the run, whereas mine is a lot harder to pack up and move just because of the size. Um, but yeah, yeah no, I could put this in my backpack and record anywhere. Exactly. Um, but it's definitely, yeah, the battery life is not what they advertise. Um, but it is chargeable um, over, uh, uh, you can hook a battery bank up to it, which I highly recommend. Just like mine, I actually bought, I haven't had to use it yet, but in case we ever take this somewhere, Bill, I actually have uh, one of those portable bricks with a power outlet. mm so that we can actually just run this completely remote with yeah. phantom mics and everything. Um, which we might have to do because I do want to get uh, our uh, Dane, uh, our judo instructor, who has just a, had an interesting martial arts life. I want to get him on the record. Mm. So we might have to take this to the gym. But no, but definitely so long as we're back and we're rocking and rolling. Um, but no, I definitely think the whole alien encounter thing I do think, like, look, if they've been here so far and they haven't eaten us yet, they're probably not going to. Mm. I will agree with that. You know, I doubt the whole, like, Independence Day invasion thing is going to occur. Mm-hmm. Can't Mars, guarantee it. Mars attacks. Right. <laughs> you know, no War of the Worlds, no no craziness. Yeah. But I do think, again, you know, we are disproportional disadvantage. If somebody can do faster than light, we got a problem. Well, somebody said, I think, I forget who it was. So someone said to me, well, if aliens existed, wouldn't they be, don't you think God would have mentioned them in the Bible? Or what do you know? And uh, I'm like, well, 
Dinosaurs are also not in the Bible. <laughs> right. But they existed. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> it might be a conspiracy, but just because they don't appear there doesn't mean they don't exist. <laughs> I mean, we still have dinosaurs that exist today. We've got the alligators and some of those uh, things that live in the ocean with the whales or the whale sharks, things that live for... Yeah, coelacant, man. You know, yeah, there's there's a lot of things that are not listed in the Bible, and then even some things that are listed in the Bible that don't exist today. Mm-hmm. So, one of my brothers that uh, um, that Demetrius knows well or knows, um, he asks constantly about the Nephilim. Mm. Mm. And I mean, that's definitely. Not something we want to go. It's a rabbit hole. I don't want to go down tonight, but you know right. they they exist. So, so maybe so are those the, the aliens? Oh, that could be interesting, right? But then the That's Nephilim was supposed to have been destroyed. Talk. So, so those who don't right. know their Bible, the Nephilim, according to Scripture, are the mixing. They're the offspring of angels or fallen angels. And humans, so like half breeds. So think of like uh, the movie Constantine, like the classic movie Constantine, um, where you have the half breeds that are running around the world. The mudbloods in Harry Potter. Yeah, mudbloods. <laughs> Heavily mudbloods. I thought you said you wanted to keep this a nice, clean podcast, and now we're throwing Ooh. around words like mudbloods. <laughs> it is a slur in Harry Potter world, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Well, we need a slur for aliens. I'm tired of this. We need a word. Oh, we call them ETs. <laughs> that's true, but that's just an abbreviation of extraterrestrial. Uh, we we don't need a slur for aliens. I'm just kidding about that. <laughs> that's how you start wars. <laughs> that's, that's right. Demetrius was definitely trying to think of one there. <laughs> I was. I'm not gonna lie. I was. And I can create one. Trademark it. This is why we're all friends. but no but i i well i do think you know that was one thing actually i said um the whole et thing like that was one thing where i was like i was convinced they did not have any data and do you know why i was convinced of it donald trump (laughs) with as much things he put on twitter if they had briefed him on that anybody in the government would have told him anything about that but that raises other problems then like if you're not telling the president that we have proof of extraterrestrial life and we're like back engineering their stuff like come on like seriously everybody sent everybody who's been president sent eisenhower i feel like has been compartmentally um segregated from all the information of government that would, and for those of you who don't know, uh, government type stuff, that's essentially since the onset of the CIA. I mean, I could see that. I could see that. Cause like I, I had that happen to me at the nonprofit. I used to work for a nonprofit before I became a monk and there was stuff that I was supposed to know as a case manager, but I was, it was deemed by the higher ups at the nonprofit that I was not allowed that information because quote, you won't say anything, but your face will give it away. <laughs> I mean, so, even the church has things that are compartmentalized. You can't know this information. Oh, yeah. You like, might need to know it, but you can't know it. Like the secrets of Fatima. I mean, for the longest time, they were kept secret. and Some argue they still are. 
or even pontifical secrets, or if, uh, you know, somebody were to get a uh, questionnaire about, is this priest suitable to be bishop? That's true. You know, all that, of that is kept secret. That's true. But I'm if sure you have, regular people don't know that, you know, that sort of consultation goes out among the presbyterate. That's true. But if you ever select lay people, if you ever get a scrutinium about me, you better lie. Because you know, if I get a job, you're going to have to move. Well, somebody has to be your chief of staff and keep you accountable. <laughs> <laughs> Someone would have to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> nah, but, but, but all, you know, all kidding aside, I, I definitely think you might be right there. They, they might just not have told him. Like, you know, if, if we tell him that's going on, um, oh, somebody's trying to buzz in. That is my mother. Hold on. I am going to send her to voicemail. No, no, no. Answer it. No. <laughs> he should definitely be part of this conversation. No. Decline. You're talking about what? <laughs> I mean, but I definitely think, uh, I, I could see that. I could see them looking at him and be like, Yep, no, if we tell him this, it will be on Twitter in 25 minutes. <laughs> nope. Let's, let's look at this for a second. George Bush Sr. was the director of the CIA. Do you think he told Bill Clinton anything? Probably not. Do no. you think they told George Bush Jr. anything? Probably not. Do you think they told Obama? Maybe. Maybe. Trump? No. no. Biden? Absolutely not. <laughs> Come on, what you got against Sleepy Joe? <laughs> His sleepiness. <laughs> mm. it reminds but all me kidding of... aside, I kind of think that, uh, you know, we can make the jokes about it with the political sphere or the society, but if we're to actually sit back and try to think about this with the mind of Aquinas or Bonaventure or any of the other uh, great doctors of the church. The question is, there might be something, there's probably something we may never know about the something. True. But we want to look at the practical end of things of what if the something comes and makes itself known. Right. I mean, you can always play the what if. I mean, that's one of the great things about intellectualism. You can put yourself in someone else's shoes. You can speculate as to what is likely to happen, what could happen. You can run down those rabbit holes. At least, you know, well, in certain spheres you can now. In certain spheres it's considered inappropriate to, to do that, mm -hmm. apparently. But, yeah. Well, I agree there. I definitely agree there. I mean, I got to think we're on one planet in one solar system in one galaxy in an infinite number of galaxies or an ever-expanding number of galaxies. Yeah. You know, the idea that there's just nothing else out there doesn't make, wouldn't make sense to me. True. True. Plus, you got any more sci-fi uh, relevant things coming at you for, uh, for this conversation? Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I definitely think, you know, you could, I mean, I do find it interesting that most sci-fi where they deal with extraterrestrials, they definitely have always factions. So I do think there are, if we did find extraterrestrial life, once we find one, then the odds of there being a lot out there is pretty likely. Right. Now, until you find that first one, like, eh, 
mm-hmm. you know, you're multiplying by zero, which, you know, is zero, I think. I'm not a math guy. Yes, um, that is one thing you remember from math. <laughs> that checks out. <laughs> good, good. Um, but uh, but once you find one, then, yeah, you got an infinite number of possibilities. But I do think, you know, one thing we've seen is in a lot of sci-fi and a lot of like human thinking about this issue there's always federations there's always groups and there does occasionally become conflicts between different groups Mm -hmm. you know like if you think of like star trek you know in the early days like star trek the original series you have the klingons of the bad guy in the next generation you have the uh, romulans in the deep space nine you have the dominion you know, as you expand out, you find different federations with different goals, different ideas, different philosophies, and then they kind of like the Benedictines. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we we are the order of disorder, according to Leo the <laughs> Thirteenth. Um, but yeah, I, Sorry, I it was just too good of a comparison not to make. <laughs> well, in a sense, we are sort of alien to secular society, the way we live, in some ways. For sure, for sure. Now, I have a going in with the whole sci-fi thing and conspiracies and whatnot. I have one of those Amazon Alexa things that uh, Alexa stop. She just started listening to me. Um, But on it, the display screen, it just said Watchmen in Black. And I was like, hmm. I think you're listening a little too passively. <laughs> We're talking about aliens, and now you're giving me movie suggestions. Uh, yeah, that is frightening how much that... Though, it's frightening, yet at the same time, it is convenient. Like, I remember a couple months ago, um, me and... Uh, I was actually at jujitsu. Me and Pete, uh, Skinny Pete. Um, well, he's the only Pete that's there now, because the other Pete, um, his job changed, so he changed gyms. But... Um, we were talking about how my uh, Adidas gi ripped. And I was like, oh, I really want to get like a hemp gi, like an Origin or a Dautsasara, but I can't justify 200 bucks when I can get one for 115 Yeah, I just can't justify it. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And my phone was there. His phone was there. And then like a day later, I got a discount code for Dautsasara to get one of their hemp gis for like 118 <laughs> And I'm like, I'm looking at the phone. I'm like, you, you... You eavesdropping little thing, mm. you. Men in Black was a great movie, though. I love that movie when it came out. Dude, that was a good movie. And I'd still watch it today. I think it would still hold up today. Oh, for sure. The original yeah. one? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Just now the question is, where's the line of uh, creepy to convenient for mm. all of the tech? Because once we get into this... Uh, new age of technology with the UFOs or the UAPs or the aliens or the AIs or whatever we happen to come across. It's going to be a lot faster, a lot more intrusive, but a heck of a lot more convenient. So where's that line? Oh, yeah. Well, here's a fun question that just popped in my head. I'll ask this to the table. If aliens are doing like space-time manipulation, say they can travel through space and time, they can travel through time, is there anything in history or your life you'd want to either go back and redo, change, relive, any of it? 
Like if that new tech opens up, if tomorrow you wake up and you could change one thing, but they're only going to give you one. One thing about your life? One thing about history or your life, yeah. About history? Anything. Kill you, Hitler. You're going to kill Hitler? <laughs> mm. No, that's just like the classic, like, what would you do if you can go back in time? Right. Answer. Right. I'd go back to whoever made the rule of you only get to change it once and then change that rule so it could you know, <laughs> change all those screw-ups. That's a good question. You put, you put limitations on something. I'll put limitations on the genie in the bottle for sure. Absolutely. Right. So change the genie. Well, there's actually a, a theory among people that argue that time travel could be possible. They argue that time travel would only be possible after the point which time travel is invented. That it would create like a breach in reality. That you could, that time would no longer be linear after time travel is invented. But because of that, you would never be able to tweak time before or after. But then you got that dude in the early 2000s who called into that sci-fi radio show. I forget his name. Um, but he argued that he was a time traveler and he was trying to save the world from a computer virus and figure out what was going wrong. And so the way he said he fixed stuff was because it would create a break in reality. Would be, he'd travel back in time. You wouldn't change space, but you'd change time. And then he would do what he needed to do, take what he needed to take, travel back a millisecond more, and then shoot forward. So it would bypass his, like, tweak of the timetable. You just so my brain is, you know, cooking Right now, it's percolating a thought process of, you know, we talk about space and time, but we also speak of having an omnipotent and omnipresent God. Yep. Who exists outside of the space and time. Yep. So if we are able to travel through space and time all willy-nilly and being able to warp or wormhole or whatever... Uh, words you want to use to describe those actions, then, you know, if there is no north-south or no rising of the sun or setting of the sun and you're able to do all of those things, is that going to make the person who's able to do this the de facto god or is this going to lead to uh, redef redefining what time is. I would say it's going to redefine what time is because to me, saying God's omnipotent is a limitation there too because remember, we also say that God is existence. So like if we can change time and space, whatever, yeah, we're messing with stuff inside of existence, but we're not holding it into reality. Whereas God is the guarantor of reality. Sort of like the classic, you know, Jay and Silent Bob situation from Dogma. The great classic Dogma. I like how you can, you can, you can equate this deep theology to Jay and Silent Bob. It's what I do. It's <laughs> what I do. It's why I'm popular with the kids. Because like in, in the movie Jay and Silent Bob, um, in the movie Dogma, the whole idea is that two angels that were banished to Wisconsin have found a loophole to get back into heaven. And they have to be stopped because God has banished them from heaven for all eternity. And the idea, like the angel says to the, uh, to the last scion in the movie, well, no, they have to be stopped. Well, why? Because God can't be proved wrong. Well, why? 
because God is the guarantor of existence. If God is proved wrong, there's no existence. And that's a sloppy shorthand, but I do think, to me... It holds water. It holds water, because, yeah, if we could change space and time, we're still not the person holding space and time into existence. I think my thought was there's something, too, when God banished these these angels, that they were banished to Wisconsin. That seems like a very intentional choice. Well, it is the only place in the U.S. with a confirmed Marian apparition. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're... Yeah, it's also the home of the Green Bay Packers. That's sure. true. The God, only team... God's team. Well, no, it's uh... a... <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> well, no, Listen, it's, it's... I don't, I don't know, uh, Brother Will... <laughs> Uh, where your background is from, but you're talking to the fans of two franchises who share six Super Bowl victories. So take a back seat. <laughs> you're part of that club. My uncle's a big Packers fan. I'm a Giants fan. Yeah, but my, my condolences. <laughs> but the like, people you know how, here. How the, the Cowboys call themselves America's team. Mm. You know, Wisconsin, Packers should start to call themselves God's team. The rating, not a logo. <laughs> I will say this speaking of Super Bowls how many of you have held a Lombardi trophy I have have you yeah I got a I got one made from uh, Little Falls Trophy I no said, like, said, like one no of, no no, no. I said, one of the legit the actual Lombardi for trophy. real yes, I said make I me a, held one. make me a Lombardi trophy and they didn't I held it I, I've ca- <laughs> I've carried at least two how'd you how'd you come across that I was actually doing a vocation visit slash working on a paper at St. Vincent's, and it was training camp, uh. and it was the year after Cower won his victory, and uh, and I'm there helping uh, Max, father, well, he's now father. At the time, he was just a novice, uh, Maximilian Maxwell from Vincent's, like, move some stuff up, and we're carrying all these boxes, and there's security with us, and I looked at him, I was like, dude, what, what's in the boxes? He's like, Lombardi trophies. Like, what? How? Now, what, again, what's sad is this is like pre, like, good cell phone camera days. And, like, I'm at a monastery. So, like, the monks aren't running around, especially in offices with a cell phone. So, like, I have no, like, photo of me, like, like just like. Quick, who's holding? Who's got a digital camera? Right, hmm. right. You know, but I was there. I got to hold the actual Lombardis. And I was like, dude, this was awesome. But yeah, no, I, I got the whole two. You weren't throwing it off of your off of your boat like Tom Brady was. It's not the Stanley Cup. No, wasn't Tom Brady throwing the yeah. Barty Trophy right yeah. off his boat or something? But well, he threw it from one boat to another boat. Yeah. yeah, but the Lombardi Trophy, not like the Stanley Cup. The Stanley Cup, every player gets to take home for one day. Every member of the staff. Every, yeah, staff too. Yeah, coaches wow. too, front office people. I think like manager, yep. GM type people. Yeah, I don't think like. I don't think the media team gets No, it. not the media team. It, it, the hot dog concession. You only get 365 days. <laughs> the hot dog concession person. But there's like 360-some days where that's your trophy to do with with your staff. So, like, there, there, there's many a picture of many a, a hockey player taking the Stanley Cup, the actual Stanley Cup, into the garage and, like, having to hammer out dents because they did stupid stupid, foolish, drunken things with the Stanley Cup. So many drunk things. 
And I'm still annoyed. Uh, my godfather, uh, not my godfather, my godson's mother and husband, um, because they were friends with one of the guys on, I forget what team it was. It might have been the Capitals. But they got invited to his day with the cup. So they got to drink champagne out of Lord Stanley. And I'm like, oh. Lucky. And they were just, it, and it was in Allentown. So like, it's not like it was so far away. I'm just like, you couldn't call? Like, I'm not the best driver, but I would have drove for that. Mm. Um, now, what kind of metal is that's this? That's probably why they didn't call. Yeah, I know. I would have showed up and crashed that. What kind of material is the Stanley Cup made out of? I think it's silver, isn't it? Silver. I think it's sterling silver. Yeah, I know the I know the bull itself is sterling silver. I don't know what the podium is. I would have to guess that it's the same material. I would assume. Would you say that that's the coolest trophy among the major sports? It's not even an argument. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, yeah, it definitely is. Because the Lombardi Trophy is just like kind of like a. They make like a, a new Lombardi Trophy every year. Yeah. Mm. You don't like it's. They not make the a same new thing. World Series trophy. They make a new NBA trophy every year. Yeah, they, they do not make more Stanley Cups. In mm. fact, they retire the rings after X amount of years. Yeah, and then they put a new thing on the bottom. Yeah, mm. yeah. the The cup is the cup. That is cool. That it's like a. No, they have a backup. They do have one that's already been made as a backup, just in case, like it goes down in the ocean somewhere. But, like, it is the cup. Mm. When you hoist it, when you, you know, when you're like, I think it was Afghani Malkin or somebody from the Penguins had their kid baptized in it. It was baptized in the cup. <laughs> what about, like, MLS? What does their uh, trophy look like? Soccer. I don't know. To know that, I'd have to watch soccer. Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't I only watched... know Stanley Cup, Lombardi Trophy. I mean, what like the NBA, what is their trophy? Is it just a big basketball? It's a basketball going into a basket type yeah. of thing. Yeah, it's like it looks like the Lombardi Trophy a little bit, like a little bit like Art Deco, like straight line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I mean, we, you also have this thing called Google that you could just look up on your phone to see what it looks like too. True, that takes a lot of work though, dude. And then like MLB, I mean, MLB, I don't like that they call it the World Series because it's not the world. It's like you got players from all over the world who come to play in the premier baseball league. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. That's why it's called the World Series. I think to call yourself the world champion when you're playing in an American baseball league, I think that's stupid. Well, that's like uh, like boxing. It's the premier baseball league. It is, but you're not you're not. Happens to be in the biggest sports market in the world. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to get into the whole. American is the best type of thing, but it's they're called world champions for a reason. You've got the best athletes in the world coming to play these sports in this country. They're not doing it in Saudi Arabia. Messi didn't sign a billion dollar contract in Saudi Arabia. Came to play in Miami. Mm, I think it's a little presumptuous to say that the the MLB oh, always always helps, always it has my argument. Yeah, it's, I think it's presumptuous to say that the MLB always has the world's best baseball players. That's not true, right? Otani was in the Jap, Jap, you know Japanese leagues for X amount of years. And where is he playing now? Well, yeah. Playing but the best baseball he's ever played? That's what I'm saying is that you, the, the, the MLB doesn't always have the world's best athletes. 
No, they come here to play yes. from the secondary and tertiary leagues around the world. Correct. And even in the Stanley Cup, uh, it's like it's a letter saying that it goes to the premier league uh, of hockey in the world. So if the NHL ever isn't the premier hockey league, then they lose the right to the Stanley Cup. That's true. Though this does raise an interesting and downright evil question then. If this is how we're describing the world champions of the Premier League is where the best people play, right? Then does that mean that Russia is a better WNBA team, being that like Brittany Griner and them all go play there too? <laughs> it's a great question, one that I'm not anywhere near uh, well-versed enough to try to attempt to tackle. Yeah, Me now, see, if you have something like the World <laughs> Cup, where right. all these countries get Oh, yeah, no, that's other, legit. Or the then Olympics. you can call yourself a world champion because you're oh, the best team sure. in the world. For sure. Or like Nick and Austin, yeah. literally going to Mongolia to fight Russians and Germans and Slovenians and, mm-hmm. you know, different people. Like, legit. We got to get them on here. Well, this too. is one of, I guess, semantically is why English is such a terrible language is because we just sort of soak up words that other people use to describe things. So we call it world champions and we use it interchangeably with just champion. So the champions of the world, you've got the best players from around the world coming here to play in a specific sport. Um, I don't think that, you know, the MLS is calling themselves the world champions because they're a tertiary market at best. Oh yeah, for um, sure. You've got, you know, the jujitsu people, you know, it's not Americans who are the best at that. You've got, um, and then, you know, while they have rising stars, they're not the, you know, the I, pinnacle of the sport. You I got to stop you have, right there. The best, oh, okay. objectively okay. speaking, the best grappler right now in the world is an American from New Jersey. Gordon okay. Ryan. I'm happy to be wrong. I'm just I mean, saying in... Not, in a but you're right, but recognized. Like, no, you're right because you have conference. IBJJF, where the world championships is in Brazil. You have ADCC, Abu Dhabi Combat Club, Abu Dhabi Combat Club, where it's literally in Abu Dhabi. I mean, but yeah, those are definitely. Also, I'd like to note that we're on a 20 minute tangent off of Brother Bill <laughs> uh, making a statement of uh, football teams that has led us down this path. That's how there's rules. No script, no rules. This is what kind Other of, than don't this, swear into the mic. This is what kind of gift God's team brings us. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I definitely think it's been an interesting conversation. I definitely think, you know, the whole like non-human biologics, to go back to that clip, is an interesting question because we definitely have different things that that could mean. Again, it doesn't mean necessarily extraterrestrial. Though he strongly seemed to imply that. Um, But at the same time, even if it is extraterrestrials, that doesn't end the conversation. Right, and the non-human biologic, it was referring to the pilots of the aircraft that was recovered. Well, that was what the question was, but nowhere did he say it was the pilots that were non-human. He said said non-human biologics were recovered. Were recovered. From? From the craft. 
So again, that could mean that they had, you know, a human took a dog up with them. You know, some Russian took a Sputnik. Yeah, three. but then if that were the case, why wouldn't they just want to say that? Sensationalism. Headlines. You were a journalism major? Yeah, but okay, now you're going to have a whole congressional committee because you guys you guys have an aircraft of a human that took a dog up there. You're going to have a whole committee hearing over this? I mean, to be fair, the federal government has wasted money on worse things. Yeah, how how many hearings have we had on everything? Well, I mean, I mean, I, again, I, not, I don't, not to be I don't here. think that that's worthy of a of a. I mean, oh, neither do if, I. If, I don't think it's like, worthy if, of the time. If, but. if it's just okay, yeah, we recovered. You know, we recovered a a, a unidentified flying object with a non-human biologic, and it turns out that it's just a pilot that took a bird up there. I don't think that that's what they're talking about. Oh, neither do I. And I think it's strongly implied that that's not what they're talking about. But at the same time, on the record, he did not say we have found extraterrestrial life. Correct. And for background, the guy that we're talking about, his name is David Rush. Mm -hmm. He's a native of Pittsburgh. Yeah. He was a decorated combat officer with the U.S. Air Force in the Afghan War. Um, And he is a veteran of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office. So his uh, you know, credentials, that's where he's coming in and talking about. Uh, he was a representative of the National Reconnaissance Office to the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. So the government has these agencies set up so there has to be something that they're monitoring. If it was an animal, why wouldn't he just say animal? Why would he say non-human biologic? Because there's classifications and people can only speak and say certain things. To why, non- why wouldn't he be allowed to say he had an animal on board? Because maybe that's detail that he can't give. I mean, like I remember there's a story of Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State. She was taking notes in a meeting. Um, I forget what it was on, but something in Afghanistan. And uh, one of the generals saw her taking notes and uh, just leaned over as she was done, took out his pen and went, top secret clearance, compartmental, Afghanistan. And circled it on top of the page in front of like over everything and in front of everybody. And she looked up at him and he went, what, did you, did you think that this was public information? And so there is that element. Like, you can get a lot of... Inf- like, again, like, I have a cousin who's a brigadier general. And, like, when I ask how he got promoted to colonel early after doing some job at a certain location, everyone I've talked to, including him, just goes, oh, he fixed stuff. Yeah, what did he fix? Like, he fixed stuff. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think the Republicans would be interested in this if, you know... Oh no! I definitely they, think there's they something just there. They had a bird on the point, you know, on, on the whatever. Again, I I think no. he meant to strongly imply. And I'm not yeah. saying he didn't do it on purpose. That it he just is, can't say explicitly we got aliens. Right? Yeah. Exactly. He can't say we have greys. We have reptilians. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe the crazy lady in the plane actually saw a reptilian. Maybe they're flying that commercial. That member ain't real. <laughs> maybe the flying commercial man. 
God, I love Twitter or X, <laughs> as it's now called. Did Did they change it over? My app didn't update yet. Yeah, I updated it uh, last night. It's now an X. Uh, well, I think Musk is trying to. He wants it to kind of be an everything app now. Yeah, and I think that that was kind of the play from the beginning, and this is just the next step in that in that plan. For sure. Musk is no dummy. We had this conversation coming back from the gym today. Musk is no dummy. I mean, there's a reason he's one of the wealthiest people on the planet in history. And I do love that people bust his chops. Like, well, the World Health Organization says you could cure world hunger by 2030. And I loved his response to that question from reporters. Like, yeah, but they don't tell me how. They tell me I could do it and still have like $80 billion left, but they don't tell me how. Because that would be a flex. Like, I would do that just to flex. I would cure world hunger. That way I could do anything. Like, if you cured world hunger, you could get away with anything. Just makes me think of Sam, the, the Sam Kinison bit. He's like, you know, we, we donate to all these charities that go to feed people and stuff. Mm-hmm. Does anyone ever tell them to move to where the food is? <laughs> you, you live in a desert. There's no food growing there. Adam, actually, do you remember that conversation I had with Scully back in the day? You were in the class. Oh, there were so many conversations with Scully. Oh, that's true. So it's a philosophy class, and we're talking about that. And I, and I just pointed out, I was like, well, one of the major problems is with world hunger is that places where people live don't, at least on mass don't produce food to feed them. Right. And by the time you transport the food to them, it becomes a problem. It's like, yeah, you can produce enough food to feed every human on the planet. Right now we have, at least statistically speaking, the capacity to feed every human being on the planet a caloric diet so they don't die. We well, that's not- one of the issues going on right now in Ukraine, right? With yeah. the... You know, they're the, the grain basket for Europe and Africa. Yep. Uh, and Russia's just blowing up the grain depots. Yep. It's going to cause famine. Yep. Which will eventually yeah. force people to have to, to actually pick a side. That's yeah, what... it's, coming, it's coming a lot quicker than people think, I think. Like that that choice, I think, with Biden calling up the people who were on independent ready reserve and everything else, I think, you know, you're going to see NATO getting involved in this a lot sooner than people would have anticipated. And it's not going to be because of nuclear bombs going off. No. But I hate to say it on that happy note, we are well past an hour. So I don't know what you shoot for, but we shoot for an hour. Um, this is what we have to look forward to famine and extraterrestrials hey yeah. maybe ET will bring us some magic goop that can like maybe we'll get replicator tech you will we'll just be able to magically produce food you will eat the bugs <laughs> and you will like it I didn't know you were a democrat <laughs> hey I'm sure plenty of republicans eat bugs a good source of protein no give, give, me, a, give me a good deer I mean, I will say this. Like, if, if it ever hits the fan, Will, I think you'll agree with this. It's good you're my friend. Exactly. You know, people kind of like to sort of 
looked down on people in, in the country and kind of blue collar people. But when when the the stuff hits the fan, those are the people you're going to want to team up with because those people can kill an animal, they can butcher the animal, they can cook the animal, you know, they can start a fire. Yep. All this kind of practical stuff that and you've you know, eaten city how, folk don't know how to do. And you've eaten how I cook venison. And it's delicious. Exactly. Speaking of eating things, I think one of the things we should probably close with is that there's a, um, a show on the Barstool Podcast Network called KFC Radio. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy from Massachusetts. His name is John Feidelberg. Mm-hmm. In one of their most recent episodes, he said, you know, and it wasn't something that ever crossed my mind, but what if anything tastes good? What if what? And that might be how the intergalactic wars start. What if what if aliens taste good? You said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that does happen in Futurama. Go back to my massive knowledge about everything. Well, Leela and Fryan all crash and land on this one planet, and they find something they call poplars, and it turns out to be the Omicron Persei eight spawn, and they're eating them like shrimp. Hmm. God bless your infinite knowledge of useless information. I've always thought I've Truth. always thought shrimp or prawns as pretentious people. Well, I guess they're different. They are different. Yeah, different those prawns. Prawns. They, they they do look kind of extraterrestrial. Well, that's why, as Glazov pointed out, that's why they're like forbidden. Is because they crawl on the bottom like an animal, but they live in the in the water like a like a fish. So, what day of creation were they created on? Mm. Probably in the twilight time, one and a half. Exactly, because it's not a clear-cut thing. You can't have it. It's one of the Jewish rabbi arguments as to why shellfish is forbidden. I think you're really missing out if you're if you're deleting self shellfish. And thank God the Archbishop sure. of New Orleans said that alligators count for seafood. So, dude, it, <laughs> alligator is good food. It's good. I know. Tastes like chicken. Yeah, <laughs> little little tough, little yeah. stringy, but yeah. For sure. It's quite good. It's quite good. Oh, now I want to go to the gas light and get one of those alligator antelope burgers, man. But they're closed. Which reminds me, I was at the American Dream Mall last week or the week before, and we went to it. There's a store that's all jerky. Oh, the had, jerky store? I love had, the jerky store. They had python jerky, Ooh. camel jerky, turtle jerky, all this, you know, kind of yeah. exotic jerky. No alien jerky, though. No alien jerky. Yeah. Mm. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. That's next. That's for the fall collection. <laughs> and I think we just got our title. <laughs> alien. No alien jerky. <laughs> At least not yet. All right. Well, I do think we should peace out, Adam. I don't know about you, my brother. Is there any last words Gentlemen, you want to get thank in? Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Adam. Um, yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Cool. Thank you, my brother. Uh, we're going to end this recording and then uh, just chime in. Hang on the line real quick, Adam. Uh, this has been Father D. And Brother Will. It's where you say hello, Adam. And Adam. (laughs) There we go. All right, catch you next time. Peace. Later.